It turns out it wasn't that there were squirrels in our attic. It was that we were living in the squirrel's basement. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to (laughs) River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. And gosh, are we pleased as punch to talk to you today about that ski jumping, figure skating, canned bean eating, mink chasing, fox of a detective, Nancy, Nancy Drew, Drew, and her mystery at the ski jump. We read, again, the 1968 copy, and... Uh, it was groovy AF. <laughs> it was delightful. Nancy travels not only across the country, but into foreign lands in this book Mm. going as far as montreal indeed but she starts right here in her hometown river heights river heights as you know the winter festival is coming up soon put on your snow skis and mackinaws mackinaws kids because preferably (laughs) that the winter festival is coming it only comes four to five times a year here in river heights (laughs) where we get winter regularly Yes, Nancy Drew is walking home as a storm hits, um, like you do. It's getting dark because it does early in the winter here. Lugging her skis home. So the opening line of this book is, Burr, it's cold. Now that tells us a lot about where we're at, <laughs> who's talking, what's going on. Yep. You know, it's Nancy. She's cold. Real attention grabber. And she's in a cold place. I get it. Who's cold? Why? I care. Read on. So Nancy's carrying a brand new pair of skis, but she's not safe for long as she almost gets run over on the first page. Cars are a dangerous machine. Yeah. Long black cars, especially. Slip sliding down the road. No one knows how to drive when winter hits here in River Heights. No. Luckily, the car does not hit her and instead hits... Dear Mrs. Martin's front porch. I always say we got three seasons here in River Heights. Spring, summer, and cars crashing into your porch. Three types of porch seasons. Yeah. So the driver is unconscious. She's skinny. Hot, from what I could read. Yeah, Mrs. Martin and Nancy bring her into Mrs. Martin's house. She's wearing a fur coat. They lug her unconscious body into the house. Yeah, now Nancy, she feels the pulse. She checks the eyes. I think she's only stunned. Her pulse is regular. <laughs> Nevertheless, says the woman whose porch this body crashed into, let's call the doctor. This woman wakes up in the most iconic way of all time. She goes, Doctor? Who needs a doctor? And where am I? <laughs> yep. And then she calmly powders her nose and puts on more perfume. As quickly as she asks... How did I get here? She's already powdering her face. <laughs> like this is a normal ass occurrence for her. <laughs> it was just the storm, she says, of her crash, which hasn't hit yet and isn't much of an explanation. Mm-hmm. The perfume I love because it's supposed to be a thing throughout, I feel like, mm-hmm. where Nancy's like always aware of it and smells it different places and knows the lady's been there. Yeah, she was just here. Kind of like in what, Lilac Inn, I think it was. Yeah. But the seat is still warm. The perfume's in the air. It really doesn't add much at all. No. So Nancy has a chance to appraise this woman. She figures out by looking at her that she's 35, strikingly handsome. Mm. She has blue-black hair, pale skin, high cheekbones. And of course, did we say she's slim? She's slim. She's wearing a mink, which is when suddenly Mrs. Martin recognizes Mrs. Channing. 
Yeah. I didn't... Oh, my goodness. I didn't recognize you without your consciousness. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Channing of the Forest Fur Company. You, I know you. You should meet Nancy Drew. Her father is a lawyer. She's a detective. And Mrs. Channing reacts to this... Equally sus, iconically. Sus AF. She says, lawyer detective? Lawyer detective? <laughs> is literally lawyer dash detective nancy recovers the situation well at least dad is a fine lawyer she says <laughs> never giving up a chance to talk about how good her dad is at his job yes. your work must be interesting too nancy says which is like a polite thing to say to someone who's just coming to consciousness i guess it seems so condescending to me oh yeah i mean i'm a detective and my dad's a lawyer but i'm sure what was it stocks <laughs> <laughs> that must be so fulfilling. <laughs> so so the woman's trying to like get out of the house, mm. literally pushing herself up on the couch, falling back weakly, saying, No, Doc, I don't need anything. Mm. Just give me some tea and I'll leave. Now, Nancy's already given enough time to what turns out to not even be a mystery. I mean, if this isn't a mystery, then why is she here? No, no good reason. Because so, she has to pack mm. for her skiing trip to Montreal. <laughs> She ends up getting left behind for. <laughs> she doesn't go now. No. Hannah is so glad to see her back before the storm. Did you buy the skis, she says. I'm so glad that Hannah said that too, because I was trying to figure out why Nancy Drew. Where was she skiing in River Heights? I couldn't <laughs> pay attention to any part of the book until I found that out. She bought them. And apparently they're real beauties. <laughs> so now Nancy is lost in reverie. She recalled with pleasure her ski weekend in Montreal the previous winter. What a wonderful feeling to stand on top of the mountain in the cold, crisp, sunny morning. It's like a moment for harp sounds. Like to remember. <laughs> <laughs> with the white world below her. Then off, down, the fast trail to the bottom, concentrating on every turn and twist as the challenging trail demanded. Nancy had become so proficient that she had won the novice lady slalom race, successfully turning through all the slalom gates in the fastest time. Nancy smiled to herself as she thought of the slalom gates, which were really just flags on tall poles stuck in the snow. Funny looking gates. She smiles to herself. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I just hate thinking country. about Nancy standing there for like five minutes. <laughs> Like pondering and then just kind of chuckling coyly. Oh, I'm so funny in my head while Hannah's just like, what? Are you here still? Hannah's like coming and going and doesn't even notice because she's so used to it. Yeah. What I love about this as prose is they didn't know what they were doing because they start out like, let's paint a beautiful scene. Right. And then they're like, no, 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 no. Let's brag about Nancy. Nancy's yeah. really cool, guys. I think it's a thing I see a lot in Nancy Drew books. The narration will go on this long exposition and then Nancy will like in her head respond to the last part. Yeah. And you realize that it must have been her thinking all this. Yes. And like, who has the time? to think all these things i mean me when i'm supposed to be packing especially yeah caught, i mean yeah i've gotten caught in reverie too but 
but yeah, I do love the transition then from uh, bragging to like, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Which again seems condescending. It feels like a teachable moment. Like they're yeah. like, hey kids, what's a slalom gate? <laughs> they don't skate through gates, for real. After her daydreaming, she finds the time to tell Hannah about the porch, Mrs. Martin's poor porch. Mm-hmm. But she's interrupted by Ned calling to set up a frat dance date for next month. Oh, what does Ned say? You don't know? because they don't did, know. They didn't put the conversation in there? No. They just told us that happened? I think they were trying to make it clear that he wouldn't be in this book. Like, oh then no. Is. She's going to see him next month. Yeah, because they always have to make it a surprise, Carl. <laughs> I, I almost stopped reading. Thank God. <laughs> well, it turns out Hannah really relates to this whole mink coat and stocks thing. Oh, yes. Uh, because it wasn't just the other woman. Do we say the other woman bought minks? Yes, because Mrs. Martin had, in fact, purchased a mink from Mrs. Channing previously. The, and stocks. The in... lady she no longer recognizes. Yeah, and stocks in her company. It turns out Hannah did the same. Hannah says, oh, Mrs. So-and-so, I also bought this beautiful mink and 10 shares from the Forest Fur Company. Nancy, do you think I was foolish, says Hannah anxiously. This is the thing. Hannah is so excited. And Nancy does one of the things I like least for a friend to do. Is like, you're excited to tell them your big news. And then they're just like, hmm, huh. It's like a friend who just says, we'll see, to throw chaos into your life. Yeah, it just we'll feels see. like Nancy can't let Hannah have her big moment. Every time Hannah comes up with something interesting, Nancy's always like, that's cool. Let's ask Dad if it's real. Mm-hmm. Let's ask Dad if that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Have you have you deferred to any men today? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's what she does. She's like, well, let's ask Father. Hannah isn't self-conscious. She only asks if she was foolish because Nancy gives her this, like, I sucked a lemon face. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is, like, she's not the friend to tell good news. And it turns out it is real mink. That's not the problem. No. I guess the company's not real, but there's no reason to think that. We don't have any evidence until page 105 that there's any falsehood to this, but Nancy just thinks, if Hannah got involved, (laughs) then it must be a scam. (laughs) And uh, evidently Carson agrees. Nancy says, don't worry. I'll talk to dad. I'll defer to that man for you. Carson says to his daughter, do I detect a worried look in those pretty blue eyes? Hey, beautiful. You look sad. When Nancy appraises him of the situation, he says, I certainly don't like the way they do business. No reliable company would peddle expensive furs and stock from door to door at bargain prices. No one said they were doing that. That really gets me. No one so far has claimed that they met this person door to door. Hannah met them through a friend. The other woman didn't say where she met them. Why do you say door to door like that? And how do you know if it's a bargain price? She didn't say how much she paid. Maybe it was a good market price. She I'm got wholesale sure mink. Did say that she thought that she thought it was a deal. But like, I don't come out of Kohl's going like, I got fifty percent off. I hope these are real jeans. It's just funny because I do remember it, but I'm sure it's because they're so unclear. I do remember it being clear that Hannah had gotten a really good deal on that mink. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. You can't say everything that's a bargain is fake. And it wasn't door-to-door at all. Well, and to the point, like, Carson doesn't say they're fake. He says he doesn't like the way they do business. (laughs) They should should charge more. And he says they're not reliable. 
And I think that's the thing is if Hannah had just bought a mink coat, whatever, go get get it checked. Is it mink or not? Even if it's not, it's a good replica. You're fine. Mm-hmm. I think they're worried because she bought stock, right? You're saying you're saying mink doesn't often come as a combo meal. Yeah. <laughs> fair. People That's don't fair. usually sell you stock when they sell you a coat. I get the jeans 50% off of Kohl's. I don't get any Kohl's stock. Exactly. Uh, I mean, fair Would enough. you like some Kohl's stock with that today? Okay. <laughs> Fine. You win this one. Okay. <laughs> Nancy has a good idea. Yeah, she says, well, let's just go. I'll take you to see Miss Channing, the, the proprietor of furs and stocks. <laughs> we'll go. She's with the doc over there still, probably. I saw her get in a car accident not 10 minutes ago mm-hmm. and we can't let Hannah be taken in by these swindlers yeah we're immediately assuming they are when they get over to mrs martin's house she's there with her eyes blazing yeah she's mad apparently miss channing scadoodled <gasps> while she was getting her tea we got a hit and runner guys and she didn't even discuss replacing the porch. I mean, that's, I would be pretty mad. I don't know. I guess things used to be built differently. I love that the porch was badly damaged, but the car was able to drive away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Nancy's car last book, right? Yeah. I love that the doctor shows up and he's like, excuse me, I came all the way out here. Yeah, he's mad too. Climbed over a destroyed porch <laughs> to get into your home. And this is the, this is the one of the darker things I've, re- I've read in this book. He says, anyone as ungrateful as Mrs. Channing doesn't deserve sympathy. <laughs> He's had a long day. Let, let her die. My oath does not apply to her. So Mrs. Channing was scared off, apparently, by Mrs. Martin telling her about all the cases Nancy solved. Oh, I love this. She names these cases. And I love the implication. These book titles have been what Nancy has been naming her own mysteries. <laughs> and that further she goes around talking to people about them. <laughs> what have you been up to lately? Well, I just had the mystery of the wooden lady. <laughs> Um, and you know, I've loved mysteries. I've been doing them ever since the secret of the old clock. (laughs) Yeah, no, you mentioned that one pretty often, Nance. Mrs. Martin says, well, the Forest Fur Company will have to pay for my porch if Mrs. Channing won't. And Carson has to say, no, that's not how the law works. If it's a company car, yes. If it's not, no. And that is the rule, right? It is. Like, it doesn't really apply when there's not even a real company. Well, they got to go home for that delicious supper Hannah was cooking when they left. And uh, Carson decides Nancy has to stay behind and uh, research Forest Fur Company, make sure it's legit. Instead of going skiing. Instead of going skiing in Montreal. Sorry, Nancy. (laughs) But you got yourself a mystery and you're being punished. (laughs) So they tell Hannah the truth, but beg her not to worry. Carson doubts the investment is good, but they're sure they'll be able to take care of it somehow. <laughs> then he then he gives her the best compliment you can get. This is the best eating place in the country, Hannah. <laughs> yes, said the housekeeper beaming. Tonight it's pot roast and big browned potatoes. Exactly like you like them. Not good enough for Carson. What's for dessert? <laughs> Your favorite apple pie with lots of cinnamon. I love that you read that the same way. <laughs> Hannah keeps her job for another day. Not only that, but Bess and George are joining them for dinner, which Nancy thinks is grand. <laughs> what does Hannah say about George? I can never get used to a girl with a boy's name. 
they say it in every book, but now we're having a character say it, and that makes it weirder. There's also, I don't like Hannah very much in this particular No, book. she's a little bad. So George, we learn, is trim-looking, she has short black hair, and an athletic swing to her shoulders. George got that swagger. Best we get no physical description of. Well, but we get an emotional description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as George comes in in her ski suit, she says, Hypers, isn't this storm something? Old man Winter is certainly doing his best to blow our town off the map. Says George, who's a 60-year-old man, apparently. One more big puff, and I'd probably have landed on a church steeple. Who are you? This would have been an excellent moment for Bess to be like, you should have eaten more dessert, George. Bada boom. (laughs) Bess giggled. That would be something, you flapping about like a weather vane. George thinks a good comeback for that is, bet I could point in all directions at once. What does that mean? I don't know. Bess says, well, I'd rather stay inside. Maybe we can make some fudge. Bess loved sweets and worried little about her weight. It's a description. (laughs) I like it. That's who she is. Well, and I like it. They never did call her plump, but they specified she worried little about her weight. Good. Lizzo loved singing and worried little about her weight. (laughs) I like the idea of being like, you don't have to worry about your weight. No, it's, it's, it's body positive. It's a body positive way to say that she's got, you know, a body. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm afraid there won't be time for fudge, Nancy says. She's got a mystery. Luckily, Hannah did get a certificate for her stock. I don't know how stock certificates work. I don't know how any of this works. Mm-hmm. I just found out they don't sell stocks along with mink. But <laughs> the only identifying thing about the stock certificate is that it says the company is in Dunstan Lake, Vermont, but it doesn't exist. Nancy, I don't know how they did this before the internet. There's so much in this book that I'm like, wow, pre-internet. Yeah, because she's like, I had to look at an atlas, and then it's I had not to look atlas. at a different book. She looked at a postal list, mm-hmm. <laughs> the post office's list of top million cities in the United States. I don't know. Yeah. But it wasn't in there. Nope. So it either doesn't have a post office or doesn't exist. And Nancy's decided it doesn't exist. Seems more likely. Well. I mean, it does seem a little weird that you, that your business would be headquartered in a town without a post office. I mean, if it has stocks. Yeah. Like, if it's, you know, if it's an Etsy-sized fur trading business, (laughs) I get it, right? Like, you're up in the north. (laughs) You're hunting mink. You know. Oh, gosh. That's fine. But yeah, by the time you're selling stocks alongside your mink coats... You should have an address. Just give us orders, says George. We want to help with this mystery. Okay, says Nancy. Call the car repair shop. Find out if anyone brought in a car with a big porch-sized dent in it. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, Nancy calls Inns to find out if any of them have Miss Channing staying there. It's all a complete failure. They get nothing. <laughs> yep. Bess and George say she can't have gone far because of the stormy weather. Mm-hmm. So they all have a farewell snack? Yeah. By now, I guess it's late enough they need a snack. I love the idea of having a farewell snack with your friends whenever they're leaving. You know, they're going out into the cold. Uh They've got to have a little something to stick to their bones. Yeah. I get it. (laughs) So the woman who told 
Hannah about these stocks is who they interview next. This woman, Mrs. Compton, who's a nurse, and met both Mrs. Channing and Mr. Channing, a tall, muscular 40-year-old. They came into the doctor's office, and apparently this is their game plan for getting people out of the room. They asked for tea. Yeah. Whenever you want to escape, you ask for tea. While the nurse was gone, they searched through the... the patient files that's nancy's theory yeah that's what she says to find she believes they did that to find more people to sell stock to and that's just a weird way to get leads yeah like we don't go door to door but we will no reliable company operates like that well no at that point (laughs) but george is pretty impressed with this mrs channing doesn't miss a trick does she she's just like selling it to the patient other patients in the waiting room too yeah the nurse says they seemed pleasant and honest which i guess the nurse wasn't looking too hard because even after they got their tea they immediately just left they're like we don't want to see the doctor anymore we have an appointment with a dentist i don't know what like they just had to go yeah well i do like that these are the first like really attractive villains like con men yeah they don't set off any alarm bells in anyone yeah they're not crinkle-eared and smeary-eyed yeah (laughs) you know they're just nice looking people who seemed like they could skate. Nancy Drew, as she drives home, sees who else but Mrs. Channing and her big black porch crusher of a car driving by. So Nancy speeds to chase her. But of course, who gets pulled over? Nancy Drew by some beat cop who doesn't even know who she is. I do love that. And what does she find when she reaches into her glove compartment? Her identification is missing. It is unusual that the police officer is a stranger to her, because Nancy knew most of the local police and all were her friends. Uh, George lets the officer know, this is Nancy Drew. It's a real do you know who this is moment. We're after a thief. Please let us go. How is this not day one training for River Heights cops? I don't... The most common occurrence, Nancy Drew wants to leave. I feel like they meant to introduce a later subplot here and then didn't. Oh, yeah? Because when he hears the name Nancy Drew, he's like, oh, well, now you have to see the chief. Oh, and later, because her ID's stolen, so is her identity. He brings her to Chief McGinnis. You've helped the police department on so many occasions. It's almost as if you were a member of the force, says the Irish captain. Yeah, and he also is like, yeah, I know you have a driver's license. Don't don't sweat it. Yeah, I've seen it a billion times. <laughs> glaring at the traffic policeman whose jaw has dropped. Uh, he's like, but until you get a new one, I'm sorry. No cars for you. There's mm-hmm. just literally no way for you to be in a car and also not have a license. I can't see it happening. And Bess is like, a- idea, I have a license. And the captain is weirdly impressed yeah with this uh, you girls you don't miss a trick do you no we're just like miss channing that way yeah they have to introduce this slang are you up to something we police don't know about he says <laughs> you can see him wagging his finger yeah. i've got a twinkle in my eye <laughs> nancy's eyes were teasing as she answered i'll let you know the instant i find out and you know what, Hope? She never did. Also, that was a lie, because she, she already never knew. never lets him know. Yeah, that's just silly. Phew, says George. That was close. I thought you were going to have to tell him about Mrs. Channing, and I knew you didn't want to yet. 
the hell are you talking about, How George? is that the worst thing that could have happened? <laughs> I thought you were going to have to reveal too much to the We chief. almost had to let the cops in on this. <laughs> and then they would have had to have a cut. And then I love this whole conversation about why would anyone want to steal Nancy's driver's license? And they have to go so far as to say... She's not even old enough to drink. Apparently Nancy had another purse inside her purse, which they left alone, that had silver and bills in it. Yes. She only keeps an emergency fiver in case she needs a white swimsuit in her purse. All her silver, which I guess she's just got like spoons and forks. And cash, that's all in her other purse. Bess serves them chicken pie and angel cake for lunch. And this gives them a chance to tell Mr. Marvin what's going on. So he calls his broker and finds out that the Forest Fur Company is not a legitimate stock. Okay, I forgot about that. I guess we find out a little sooner. But still, we only have his word to go on. Yeah, yeah. So then they go visit Mrs. Packer, who they are also told bought some of this stock. The third lady in River Heights to do so, I believe. Mm -hmm. Now, the Widow Packer, we all know, is the Elon Musk of River Heights. (laughs) She's got all the money. (laughs) One of the many... Wealthy patron. The plump widow Mrs. Packer, they call her. (laughs) She's plainly curious about Nancy Drew. She's read all about her. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) Now, she purchased $1,000 worth of stock. I'm astounded. Simply astounded, she says. When Nancy tells her... That it could be fake. Yeah. (laughs) I had no... I would have no idea. I got a mink and a stock. (laughs) Come up to my bedroom, girls. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'm quite an authority on pelts. Yeah, she gives them the sell speech for the mink pelts. I, that was so condescending. She says how good the pelt is, and Nancy's like, okay, that was the sales speech. Maybe she knows her pelts. Maybe she's not just repeating this guy. But Nancy's like, you have no value. Um, excuse me, Carl, she's rich. I, she she has no value. Uh... (laughs) Uh, Of course, uh, the woman is not especially concerned about lost money. In fact, she had hosted a tea, was it? Yeah, she hosted a freaking party for Mrs. Channing to sell more of her stock at. You know, it occurs to me that it was, was it a tea party? I think so. I'm surprised Mrs. Channing showed up. Yeah. That's how she usually escapes. Yeah, that's funny. Um, So Mrs. Packer says, I'm glad you're here, Nancy. All people are only good for the value that they provide to me, and I need your help. Yep. Uh, I've I've had my earrings stolen. It's a mystery. Uh, And uh, Nancy is like... I. Nancy I tries to say this this mystery is beneath her. Like, yeah, did you check under your bed? This is, the, <laughs> this is really the, did you, can you turn it on and off again of mysteries? And then, uh, the maid acts mad sus. Yeah, she does. Nancy says, can you tell me about the missing earrings? And the maid immediately starts like sweating buckets and shaking. Leaves the room. Nancy's like, maybe she, lo- maybe right. she forgot the napkins. But right. then Nancy sees them in her pocket. But yeah, she comes back in and Nancy says earrings and she dumps the tea on Mrs. Packer. <laughs> yep. So it's just heightening nervousness. And finally She burns Mrs. Packer. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm burned. Such stupid clumsiness. <laughs> 
says Mrs. Packer, peeling her burned clothing off of her skin, is like, I think maybe that was suspicious. Yes. <laughs> I think she might know something. George agrees. She certainly acted strangely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bess is like, okay, well, she's escaped in all the chaos. And Nancy says... You know, I don't know. Hilda looks like an honest person to me. Yeah, Mrs. Packer is ready to call the cops. Nancy's like, wait, before you call the police, let me look for Hilda in the one place you would never have looked. (laughs) Your own house. Yep. In her own room. Yeah, they just assume she's left town. Yeah. But Nancy finds her sobbing in her bedroom. At first, Hilda won't let her in, but she says, I'm your friend. Won't you listen to me, please? Way with words, I think is what it is. (laughs) I'm your friend, Carl. (laughs) Won't you listen to me, please? I'm sorry, I'll shut up. (laughs) Oh, Miss Drew, I've been such a fool, says Hilda. We're all foolish now and then, Nancy said soothingly. A negotiator through and through. I mean, that's a really comforting thing to say. Hilda admits that she's in shock because she also bought the stock. And for her, the money is important. Uh, In fact, when Nancy brings her back in to Mrs. Packer, she says, I bought the stock because I thought you are such a smart lady and you bought the stock, so I should too. Mrs. Packer says, in a way, that's a compliment. And Nancy says, Of course it is. Yeah, that's a compliment. That's almost like a kind thing to say. (laughs) Hilda feels extra bad because she took the money from her extras that she's supposed to send to her family in Europe. I I thought, and I thought she said she even had it, like it was a salary she got in advance on. It's even future salary. Mm -hmm. So her family's going to starve. Mrs. Packer says, don't worry. I'm going to see that you don't lose by this. So whatever money you've lost on this stock, I'm going to give you money back. Maybe. Or she just doesn't fire her. You know what? We find out later that Mrs. Packer got a dividend. We never find out if Hilda did or not. I, I imagine she didn't. The rich keep getting richer. It doesn't sound like she did, does it? Now, Mrs. Packer insists, here's the brooch that goes with the earrings. Find my earrings. Thank you, Nancy. Goodbye. Bess, on the drive home, blames Mrs. Packer for everything. Because if Mrs. Packer hadn't made such a dumb purchase... Neither would have Hilda. Nor any of the people at her freaking pampered chef party. Nancy goes home to see her favorite character, Togo, who she plays pretend with. She says, I love this room, Togo, of her dad's study. It makes me feel so close to dad. And then she pretends Togo is her father? Yep. Is what it sounds like? Mm Mm-hmm. She says, it's time for a conference with my dad. She has her dad say to her. Through Togo. Use your head, daughter. You can't just chase after this Miss Channing as if she were a butterfly. (laughs) Such good advice. You must outsmart her. (laughs) Carson would just, like, not have it if he knew how she was having him speak. Yeah, because what he would say is, oh, it sounds dangerous. Be careful. Be smart. (laughs) He would never use the word butterfly. (laughs) It's just not manly enough. know if he knows what a butterfly is he doesn't need to (laughs) is it a law toko hears uh nancy use the word speak and immediately barks well done togo nancy decides that to outsmart mrs channing she must try towns that are nearest to river heights because clearly (laughs) this place is saturated with forest fur stock and fine minks. Mm-hmm. All right, she says to Togo, conference over. Now we'll go see about dinner, partner. Yeah, <laughs> I 
love that she calls her dog partner. Yeah, it's a really nice character development to say, hey, Nancy Drew and her dad, they're codependent. It's a problem. She needs to pretend her dog is him to survive without him. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, that's pretty dark. In the morning, George is very grumpy when she shows up. And Nancy, who has already called around northeast, south, and west, knows that there are stocks being sold to the north. We're going to Masonville. And George is like, why? And she's like, because it's north. Yeah. And George says, hypers, Nancy. It's too early in the day for riddles. There are four directions and four towns. Halfway to Masonville, Bess notices that they're nearly out of gas. Drama. Luck favored the girls so they don't run out of gas. I think the last time they ran out of gas was like in the desert when they were going to Shadow Ranch. Oh, so long ago. You'd think they would learn. Of course, that was because the gas was replaced by water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So the gas attendant has seen Mrs. Channing. He says, yeah, my wife... She ooed and awed the way women folks do over the mink coat that lady was wearing. But I put her in her place. Yeah, he's like, I can spot a phony. I didn't let her buy the coat. I didn't let her buy the stock. I'm from Vermont. There is no Dunstan Lake. I can't get over the fact this is, we find out, stolen black market mink. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It's real. Just don't buy stock and you're getting a deal. Yeah. Anyone who buys mink and just doesn't invest, you got cheap mink. Well, you bought stolen goods, Carl. Right, but they're not going to catch everyone who bought the stolen goods. (laughs) Yeah. You're a gas station attendant. You could be fine. Well, once they get to Masonville, Bess is the only one aware of two gentlemen who are staring at us as if we just escaped from jail. You're being silly, says George. No, I mean it, says Bess. And, uh, yeah. Bess was 100% right. There's a short man with gray hair and a slim younger man with a blue back and all, and they are undercover cops. And they are placing Nancy under arrest for shoplifting. Again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened since Lilac in. And it's the second arrest of the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's Bess's turn to stand up for Nancy. You can't arrest Nancy. Nancy's a detective herself. Yeah, duh. That's how detecting works. <laughs> I don't know what, George, what lawyer George heard from, but she's like, you better be careful what you say. Yeah. Okay, detectives, you have the right to remain silent. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the headquarters, girls, says Nancy. We'll clear this up in no time. Hopefully there's a Sergeant McGillicuddy at this station, too. Nope, there's a Sergeant Wilkes. Good grief, he says. You never know where these juvenile delinquents will come from. All the way from the South. Yeah, he says that upon asking her if she's related to Carson Drew, and she's like, yeah, I'm his daughter. Yep. And he's like, oh, I guess they can come from anywhere. It's always the lawyer's daughters who go shoeless. (laughs) Nancy turned scarlet, and George sputtered with anger. (laughs) Neither noticed that Bess was no longer with them. They never do, do they? No. (laughs) Bess is just out cutting cops, running. Well, apparently Bess used her ability to not be noticed to just walk away from getting arrested. (laughs) And went to get Judge Hart. Mm -hmm. An old family friend of Carson and Nancy's. 
I don't know if he knew best, but I guess she just dropped names when she got there. The judge clears it up with the first shop owner, who takes one look at Nancy and goes, That, that's not her. Mm-hmm. That's not the Nancy Drew that stole from me. The judge also helps him out calling Vermont. I don't know, who does he call someone in Vermont or does he just call the state? Yeah, he calls like some kind of official mayor governor hello is this vermont hi vermont uh can you tell me if there's a dunstan lake up there no there's no dunstan lake okay thank you stay beautiful in the the fall (laughs) nancy deduces that her id must have been taken by the lady by mrs channing Mm -hmm. when she went to call the doctor and left her purse with the unconscious lady okay so it was in her purse not like in her glove compartment no it was okay because i'm trying to imagine Imagine this woman running out to <laughs> Nancy's car, <laughs> going through her glove compartment, and like coming back with her registration and license. Well, was she left alone with Nancy's purse for very long? I can't imagine it was more than a few moments. But don't worry, Bess knows that shoplifters are quick with their hands, just like pickpockets. Bess, who have you been hanging out with? <laughs> She's been reading. How do She's you a know, book nerd. How do you know what it looks like when you've just come out of jail? And how do you know how shoplifters are with their hands? Not Does only- Bert know about all this? <laughs> Not only has Mrs. Channing been shoplifting under Nancy's name, but she's also been renting a room in the Winchester Hotel with Nancy's name. <gasps> Nancy's eyes flashed angrily. When they can't find her at the hotel, Bess says she's probably out somewhere robbing somebody. Like you do. <laughs> That's what pickpockets and shoplifters do. Well, the clerk hears that they're detectives or whatever and offers to open the room for them. But the luggage is gone and the room is unpaid for. Oh no. Threw her luggage out the window? It's yeah. not good for your luggage. No. And it's not good for your social standing. Not really. To use the servant stairs. Yeah, but then you don't have to pay. Yeah, but anyone who sees you doing it thinks you're a servant. I think the lesson here is hotels need to stop having servant stairs. I, yeah, you know, I don't think that any hotel we go to would have one. I think the equivalent is like the stairs by the pool <laughs> that just like lead out the back of the hotel. <laughs> Nancy does find, as she looks around the room, a clue, a Masonville Fur Company tag. Overhearing their dismay about the missing guest, Mrs. Plimpton, who is also staying at the hotel, says, oh yeah, I just bought a stole from her this morning did you say forest fur company mrs channing was at it again but nancy with this tag she discovered proves that the stole that mrs plimpton bought is stolen from the place that tag was from the stole was stole yeah they say mrs channing must have seen nancy because she was going to stay longer according to mrs plimpton so she must have skedaddled when she saw nancy i feel like this whole book mrs channing is just seeing nancy and leaving yeah yeah on the way out nancy says by the way that thief you're looking for is not nancy drew just to clarify if that hasn't been cleared up yet (laughs) so there's a classic moment where they go to lunch at a tea room like you do and nancy sees mrs channing across the street and says i'll be back and runs after her always always it specifies that mrs channing is going too quickly for nancy to subtly follow her so it's not nancy's fault that mrs channing sees her she's just jogging by Mrs. Channing ducks into a fur shop and when Nancy goes in, she's like, have you just seen this lady? And they're like, no, we haven't seen a lady. Who are you? And she's like, I'm Nancy Drew. And they put a piece of cloth over her head, tie her up 
and shove her in a closet. That's customer service. And they scream, you'll never try to rob this store again. And then she overhears them discussing things. The wife is like, well, we caught her. I say we call the police. And the husband's like, you know, I don't know that she really was going to steal anything. What are we going to tell the police? Let's just kill her. And the wife is like, well, that lady said a Nancy Drew was going to come rob us. And she admits her name is Nancy Drew. That's good enough for me. What jury would deny? (laughs) What jury would deny? Her name is Nancy Drew. And that lady said. (laughs) That a Nancy Drew was going to rob us. So Bess and George come to the rescue, luckily, as Nancy can barely breathe in that closet. With a bag over her head. (laughs) The guy says, I meant no harm, miss. I'm so very, very sorry. Now, Carl said he would have pressed charges. I probably would have pressed charges. (laughs) I don't know. I think, yeah, I think if I walked into an establishment, they put a bag over my head. And then they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. We heard it on the grapevine that you were going to steal from us. I mean, the worst part is, like, yeah, I was, but who told you? Yeah, yeah, I was going to do some light shoplifting. (laughs) That's why I use a fake name. On the way back to River Heights, they decide this has been a full enough day. They stop at the River Heights gas station this time, and they learn that recently a long black car with a crooked bumper and a dented fender and a Vermont license plate got gas there. And a trunk full of minks. And a backseat full of stock certificates. In fact, a woman who matches the description of Mrs. Channing was acting rather nervous. I gotta tell you, every one of these gas stations needs more employees. Because the long hours these people work, where they've always seen what's happened all day, mm-hmm. it's not okay. I'm sorry, says Hannah, when they return, that you had such a tedious trip. Well, says Nancy, I picked up some good clues. What were you doing anyway, says Hannah, trailing that nice Mrs. Channing? I wouldn't call her nice, says Nancy. Well, I think you're just prejudiced. (laughs) She says, that's fine stock she sold me. She sold me real mink and good stock. Uh, It turns out that Hannah received a fat dividend, a nice fat dividend in the mail. (laughs) A big fat stack of cash. Uh, she was she's triumphant to show it off. You thought I was a fool, but look, I've got like five times as much money. Not, uh, not only that, but she happens to know that Mrs. Martin also got a dividend, and so did Mrs. Packer. The only people who didn't get dividends are people whose lives depended on it. Sorry, yeah. maid. <laughs> yep. Neither Mrs. Martin nor Miss Packer are really all that happy about their dividends. Uh, Mrs. Martin, because she's got to spend the whole thing on getting a new porch. And Mrs. Packer, because this is not how things are done. You simply aren't sent money in the mail like this. It's not signed by the treasurer. It was just a money order sent from New York. No legitimate business would work that way. (laughs) I didn't even get a thank you note. (laughs) And even on Hannah's envelope that she got all this money in. No no name, no address, uh, just a blurred place where one might have been. I love that she, Nancy specifically has to find it in one of their trash cans because Hannah is not going to help her find it. I mean, Hannah <laughs> did well. <laughs> Hannah, as far as she got mink for cheap, mm. she got more than her money back. She's probably sitting there like, Nancy, let it go, please. All Nancy needs to hear is New York, and she's off to visit her Aunt Eloise. I love that that implies that they did put their address on there, and then they were like, but we don't want them to know, so let's 
smear it out. Yeah, yeah. But, like, they didn't do well enough. <laughs> so she's got an idea of the state that they're in. Yep. Because <laughs> it's not just a city, it's a state. <laughs> Eloise Drew had assisted her niece in solving several mysteries. Like, I'm not aware of that. Maybe as many as Togo has assisted. Uh, yeah, I mean, she gave her a place to stay pretty often, I guess. Nancy discovers that the address is to a residential hotel. The clerk there is unhelpful, but luckily, Miss Reynolds overhears them talking to the clerk, and she bought some stock, some very exclusive stock. It's like the fifth time someone's been like, did you say Forest Fur Company? Mm-hmm. From a certain Mr. Sidney Boyd. The plot thickens, or at least kind of laterally moves. This I this is the voice I imagine for Miss Bunny Reynolds. He's a true student of the theater, Miss Drew. He said that my performance in the Wild Lilacs was... Nancy cuts her off because she doesn't care. No, she clearly doesn't. I'm sure he was very complimentary, Miss Reynolds. Which is just like a way of saying, like, you were, you were dumb. You were yeah. a dumb person. So condescending. Which is just as bad as the clerk who snorts and says, Bunny Reynolds hasn't had a theater engagement in years. At least he waits till she walks away, though. <laughs> she questions the clerk for a while and the clerk says you know mr boyd i did suspect there was something phony about that glib talker he talked a bit glib nancy gets a description from the clerk and deduces that he can't be mr channing because he's apparently the usual ladies man slender dark eyes kind of long uncombed hair ah so he's slender with dark eyes but the other guy is muscular and 40 that could be the same person Slender and muscular are opposites, Car. Are they, though? No, they're not. Okay. I'm like, swimmers exist, right? I just love this beatnik of a ladies' man. Yeah, yeah, with his long, unkempt hair. So Nancy convinces the clerk to let her question the staff. One maid, named Katie, bought stock from Mr. Boyd. Did she also get a fur, or did she just get the bad option? I think she just got stock. Oof. Eloise, at this point, has had enough and decides to upset everybody, especially poor Katie, with an outburst. The man's completely unscrupulous. He swindles hardworking people like you, says Eloise, which devastates Katie the maid as she just runs sobbing out of the room. Nancy's like, okay, okay, Aunt Eloise, thank you. <laughs> Apparently straight to Miss Reynolds, who also bought diamond earrings from him and is also now devastated. And she is so lively about it that they have to go with her to her fourth floor room. Yeah, so she she's like, you know well basically she says to think how i trusted that villain oh 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 i shall punish that unworthy soul did i change her voice <laughs> so she's like well if the stocks are worthless the earrings must be too he said he inherited them from his mother and never intended to see another woman wear them until he met me he said that only a woman of fire and artistic temperament should have them <laughs> So, you know, sweet talks. Uh, it turns out the earrings are probably real because he stole them back. Yep. Which, <laughs> we get the description. They're probably Mrs. Packer's earrings. So yep. that mystery solved. Well done, Nancy. It was in your path. But I love that he stole the diamond earrings back when all the mink they've been selling is also real. Yeah. But not stolen back. Mm -hmm. But stolen. These guys do not run a tight uh, business. Well, Mitzi wanted those earrings. Fair. That's true. <laughs> Miss Reynolds says, don't worry. I have a special friend on the force. His name is Police Sergeant Rolf. 
At this point, Nancy finds Katie the maid eavesdropping. Katie tells Nancy that Boyd has gone. All his stuff is gone. Mm -hmm. He checked out last night and the night clerk forgot to report it. Some night clerk was slipped a 20. Detective Rolf shows up. Detective Rolf, you're a remarkable detective. You'll get my money back, won't you, Sergeant? Right away. (laughs) Cooed, Miss Reynolds. (laughs) Now, Miss Reynolds, (laughs) says a man who blushes as he clearly talks to a woman he's having an affair with it may take time (laughs) can't you get some action by tonight she says rolling her green eyes at him but tonight's the policeman's ball (laughs) no work can be done no police will be on the streets tonight it's the purge (laughs) during the policeman's ball all crime is legal you'll be dancing and having a good time will i tearfully look I have no lady friend. I'm sorry, I read this wrong. Special lady friend. (laughs) Suppose you come with me. Why, Sergeant, how delightful. I'd love to go. I just, I love it because, like, finally Nancy's like, I don't think this is for us anymore. (laughs) We're getting this whole romantic thing. And Nancy's like, I think this is someone else's book. I'm leaving. And they do. Yeah, Detective Rolf takes the brooch. That Mrs. Packer had given Nancy. He does, for evidence. And yeah. writes her a receipt. So there's a whole thing where it's like, when are we going to get that back? We'll never know. And then we do. Oh, now coming up, I think this is the meal of the book, so I want you to talk about it. Okay, so Eloise serves Nancy a special dinner. <gasps> They have the silver out. There's tall candles lit. They got the silver out of Nancy's purse. <laughs> yep. I was so intrigued by your fur mystery that I ordered things for a trapper's dinner. Trapper's delight. Nancy is absolutely delighted. How delicious everything looks. Venison. Venison. Wild rice. Wild rice. And my favorite, currant jelly. Up-to-date jelly. <laughs> Why, Aunt Eloise, this is a real North Country feast. I was just thinking about the time that I went to the uh, Native American Museum. Mm-hmm. And they've got like a cafeteria specifically for Native American foods. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. It's like, oh, because that, that's what I think of for a trapper's dinner, right? Like yeah. what would be natural and of the land. And there's so much and there's seafood and there's obviously venison. But there's also like interesting cornbreads. And, and I just like that Eloise was like wild rice and venison. I'll try to find this article I found uh, years ago about Thanksgiving and what you could potentially eat for Thanksgiving. Right. And eating things that are native to North America. Right. Hopefully more. It, hopefully it's more than wild rice. <laughs> and venison. And slab of venison. Nothing wrong with that, though. It's only two of them, Carl. That's fair. Plus they have that They killed jelly. a whole deer just for that. <laughs> so Nancy lets her know that Dunstan Lake, Vermont isn't real. And the aunt says, hmm, that's weird. It sounds familiar, though. Yeah, right. what is this? What a weird connection. Yeah, yeah. I recall that name from somewhere, but I can't remember when or how. I hope you'll let me help in your mysteries, even though my memories failed me. Nancy's like, if you would help, I'd let you. I don't, you know. ah! Nancy's like, I call on you whenever I can. You've always been a help to me. Remember when you took my dog Togo to your summer home in the Adirondacks? That was the last book. <laughs> yeah, last summer. It's been so long since the last mystery. <laughs> Aunt Eloise does eventually remember that that's where she met a trapper who was looking for a mink ranch near Dunstan Lake in the Adirondacks. Who, who knew? Not in Vermont, though. That can't be right, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we, f- we find out what Dunstan Lake is, and that doesn't make sense. I mean, 
I think the the way she overheard it later, like she, I think it could be right. She Somebody remembered was it's, looking for Dunstan Lake. They were looking for Dunstan Lake. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a wonderful clue, says Nancy to Aunt Eloise. Aunt Eloise says, please don't follow it tonight or we'll be late for the theater. The theater. The next night, they don't go to the theater. They just watch the television. Yeah. The late movie was an old film depicting a skating carnival. This, again, just the weirdest connection. Yeah. This is one, I think, one of the strangest clues Nancy Drew's ever gotten. Yeah. Nancy, watching the skating carnival, spots Mrs. Channing, who Aunt Eloise calls very attractive, even more striking than the queen of the carnival. Is that a friend of yours? She asks Nancy. No the heck it is not, Aunt Eloise. It's a criminal. (laughs) Aunt Eloise mentions that she probably gave up skating when she got married. And that's probably means that her name's different now anyways. Yeah, they wait until the end of this movie for the credits to roll. Mm -hmm. And luckily this woman had a big enough role that they can check. <laughs> Mitzi Adele is her stage name or maybe her maiden name. And th- I mean, there's no IMDb for this. Yeah, yeah, not back then. Nancy calls the TV studio and they suggest writing to the Branson film company who produced the movie. How positively tedious. Nancy telegrams them. The brooch is returned to her just in time. When she gets home, she decides to tiptoe up and scare Hannah by saying, I'm home. Terrifying. I think that that's a horrible way to come home. Especially since every other time Hannah's alone, they get burgled. Yeah. Hannah almost drops the cherry pie she's making. Thanks, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Oh, if Bess saw that cherry pie. I guess Bess likes cherry pie. What? Well, she would eat it. Yeah. And some wouldn't. Oh, speaking of Bess, Bess and George have a surprise for you, says Hannah. Bess left word for you to phone her. George is with her. Call them and then tell me about the trip. Basically, she wants Nancy out of her hair. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, says Nancy. I'll tell you first. Yep. <laughs> Look at my slides. <laughs> So it turns out that through a merchant who does hunting equipment, Bess and George found another victim of the the stock swindle. It's an old man, a fur trapper, who lives with his niece. John Horn, the old fur trapper. We'll bring him over in a car, if he'll even get into one. He's such an old fur trapper. He might have to walk here. He's strictly a high boot and snowshoe man. I don't know what it means. Nancy jokes that she'll get out her buckskin leggings and coon skin cap. While Nancy was gone, mail piled up for her, as it does. Carson is eager for her to join him in Montreal now. She'll put that off a few more days, though. The Bramson Film Company wants to visit her about Mitzi, and her new driver's license is here. The DMV works fast in River Heights. (laughs) When John Horn gets there, Nancy thinks he is dressed like Daniel Boone, and his long white whiskers reminded her of Santa Claus. The woodsman does not sit. He stands with his legs wide apart and his hands deep in the pockets of his heavy jacket. He's truly the Nick Offerman of the book. Yeah, his bright blue eyes boring into Nancy's eyes. I've seen things. She's basically like, I heard you were swindled. He's like, yep, I was an old fool. I leaped to the bait stupid as a wall-eyed pike. And then he brings out his pet mink. 
Arabella. I love that he immediately compliments and comments on the mink's fur. Like, he would just as readily skin his pet. Yeah, yeah. Which he definitely would. Yeah, I, Arabella isn't there the rest of the book. Hey. All we chinned about was mink, he says, of Mitzi. You want me to help you catch that crook, don't you, Miss Drew? Nancy had no such thing in mind. <laughs> No. I, no. <laughs> but it would be handy to have an experienced woodsman around. Hannah shows up with hot chocolate and cinnamon toast. The woodsman is apparently too shy around older women. Well, what is that? What does that mean? He became ill at ease. He says, I'm going. I'm going to walk home. And then he says to Nancy, I like you, girl. You you talk sense. Here, take this. And he hands her his mink. Yep. Which, not expecting a mink in her hands, she drops Arabella to the floor. A rat, screams Hannah. It's a mink, says Nancy. It'll It'll bite bite you like a rat, rat, says Hannah. Arabella's scared. Bess and Hannah are squealing. John Horn has to be sexist and tell them to shut up. They'll scare his poor pet to death. Right then, a well-dressed man from the Branson Film Company shows up. Like an episode of Frasier. (laughs) The level of farce we're dealing with. And Nancy says, I'm sorry, we were chasing an escaped mink. (laughs) What? Evidently, John Horn had changed his mind about walking as Bess and George escort him to the car and drive him away with Arabella. I still imagine him, like, climbing onto the top of the car and being like... Take it away. Yeah, Nancy's like, sorry, my dog wouldn't like it. I'm not keeping your mink. And John Horn's like, that's great. I'll still help you. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Nelson of the Bramson Film Company says, frankly, we thought you might have been mixed up in Mitzi's dealings. Apparently, she stole valuable costumes from them. <gasps> oh, no. Costumes <laughs> stolen from a big film company. So, yeah, Nancy assures him, obviously. No, she's on the trail of this woman. Yeah. So, having talked to him, it's off to Monty. Montreal. I'm so glad to see you, says Carson. I'm twice as glad to see you, says Nancy. And no one says butterfly. (laughs) How goes the great fur mystery? I'm stymied, Dad. Sometimes a change of work helps. Do my case Do my job. Do my thing. (laughs) Here's my client, Chuck Wilson. He's tall, handsome, and I'd like to leave you alone together. Yep. (laughs) So, we're introduced to Chuck Wilson as he does a giant ski jump way into the air where he's a professional yeah to which uh, carson replies good boy yep. <laughs> that's, that's his phrase no, that's kink nancy wishes she could do that and i assume they mean get her father to say good girl perhaps says carson he'll give you some instruction he i don't he must not like ned in this book because he's pushing these people together mm-hmm. nancy skis but not that well but she's quick to learn I feel like this is another thing. She always says she's not good at things when she's asked. Mm-hmm. But, like, she won the slalom race. Nancy, are you bad at skiing or are you bad at milking a cow bad at skiing? Yeah. Bad <laughs> yep. Well, I'll leave my daughter with you and get back to work, says Carson, winking heavily, I assume. Take good care of her, he says. Ugh, I hate it so much. I sure will, says the man. Oh my god, Chuck, no. They had to have, like, talked about this beforehand. Oh man. And he, he says, I sure will, in a tone that made Nancy blush. Yeah. 
everyone knows what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Chuck takes Nancy in his hand so that they could watch the next jump. The man flies into the air and something happens. He does it bad. And he lands on his face. And Nancy overhears someone in the audience say, What would happen to Mitzi if you kill yourself? Mitzi? There's only one Mitzi ever. (laughs) That must be her husband. Plus, Chuck noticed as the man sailed through the air that the initials on his ski was R.I.C. Just like Mr. R.I. Channing. Well, Nancy with her mystery has some difficulty paying attention to the skiing lesson, but he assures (laughs) her, you have self-confidence and a fine sense of balance. You need more of what the French call (laughs) abandon. Abandon. Let your hair down, Nancy. (laughs) Let me teach you. Abandon, she asks. You know, relax. (laughs) This is the the moment when the guy stands behind the girl teaching her to golf and like Uh, holds her hands. After the lesson, he says, well, my time is yours. And Nancy was pleased. Yeah. Perhaps she could get Chuck to forget about skiing and talk about himself because she wants to know more. No, because he's a mystery. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of both, I think, in this case. I'd like to take you out to dinner tonight and perhaps go dancing, says Chuck. Nancy hesitated, and the young man read her mind. If your father would care to come. Suppose I ask him, Nancy replied. She liked Chuck Wilson. So naturally she wants her dad with her. Carson says she should go without him. Sometimes a young man will talk more freely to a girl than to his lawyer. I feel Chuck has been holding something back. See if you can find out what it is. Yeah, Carson's job usually involves getting young men to want to get into his pants. But But... this hasn't been working, so maybe the girl will work better. Carson boasts that Nancy is even better at skating than skiing. In fact, he thought she was going to go professional. Why, Dad, you're just prejudiced, says Nancy. Everybody's prejudiced in this. What is happening? (laughs) What are we finding out? Chuck also invites them to use two tickets he has to the skating exhibition tomorrow, where he, the actual professional skater, will be doing an exhibition. But Nancy is surprised when her father says they're leaving by then. I don't have time. (laughs) Guess you came too late, Nancy. Guess there's a timer on your time with my daughter, Chuck. Better move fast. Nancy, that night, she dances with Chuck Wilson after dinner, and she had never danced with a better partner. Ned. That's harsh. Like, that's really harsh. How must Ned and Carson feel about that? Then all of a sudden, though, and this is the my favorite illustration ever, Chuck thinks he's skating, apparently. I do think literally, or just he dances like a skater? He dances like a figure skater, okay. and he does some spins. He doesn't get confused. Afterwards, he says, Nancy. Nancy, you're wonderful. Now that the ice is broken, Nancy has no problem getting him to talk. Mm-hmm. You see, his parents were famous dancers who were killed in a train crash when he was 12. For a long time, I wished I had died too. I had to go live with an ill-tempered uncle. He hated dancing and would never even let me listen to music. How dreadful, Nancy murmured. That wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it wasn't that my parents died. Wasn't that I had to live with an ill-tempered, you know, uncle. The worst of it was he stole my inheritance. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) I've never told anyone that. Not even my lawyer. Not even my old trapper friend that my uncle scared off. 
He's my only hope of getting my inheritance back, and his name is John Horn. Nancy decided to say nothing to Chuck. It's a pretty common name. Of the possibility that she knew the one person who could help him. A lot of trappers named John Horn. After all, there was no need of arousing false hopes until she had made a definite check. Oh, now, Nancy. She's learned. I bet if he was an old man in a bed. (laughs) Yeah. His wife might be alive. Four hours later. Four hours. And that's after dinner and this dance and this conversation we've already read. They end their evening of exciting conversation and dancing. Mm-hmm. Nancy calls Hannah at this late hour, who's apparently having a sleepover with Bess and George, who didn't want her to be lonely. Who know two out of three times that house will be burgled. Hannah just wanted a night off. <laughs> <laughs> She says, these two jaybirds, they just won't stop chattering. I've made them three pies. When George and Bess hear about Chuck, George says, hypers. And she whistles. So you're calling him Chuck already? And Bess is even more disapproving. I suppose this Chuck Wilson is young and very good looking. Nancy could detect disapproval in her tone. He is, Nancy chuckled, but I don't see. I'm thinking of Ned Nickerson, Bess reproached her. Don't you break Ned's heart, Nancy drew. Nonsense, Nancy countered. Now listen carefully, Bess. And she's like, please go ask John Horn if he knows a, a Charles Wilson. What else would you be calling him than Chuck? Chuck. What's the, is that short for something? Charles. He was introduced as Chuck, right? Calling him Chuck already. What should he be, Mr. Chuck? She has another lesson with Chuck at 10 a.m. This time she's learning how to ski jump, but when she tries to do her first jump, a snow bunny gets in her way. As you know, a snow bunny is a novice skier. Oh, I was thought it was that mythical creature. <laughs> with the horns. Afterwards, she is motionless, but she's okay. She insists on trying again because she's only injured her dignity. You can fall once, shame on you. Fall twice, jump again. She tells Chuck, I will try to persuade my dad to stay for the ice exhibition. When she asks her dad if they can stay a little longer, he asks for the winter sports or for young Wilson. As if he wasn't pushing them together this whole time. Yeah, yeah. After she tells Carson what's up, he, he says, Well, with yeah, her. yeah, I guess we should stay then until you can investigate. Mm-hmm. Will you still have time for the skating exhibition tonight? Uh, yeah. Because Mitzi might be there. Duh. She's a skater and an actress and a crime boss. And I have enough evidence for arrest. Which is interesting, seeing as she has no evidence. Yeah. At all. At all. Well, good old John Horn does remember Chuck Wilson. He says, oh yeah, my friend who I can get... I can exonerate or whatever. Uh, so George calls and tells Nancy. So that's good. She says, that's that mystery. You know, one more mystery solved. But that's dad's. I'm just helping. Mm-hmm. It's not my mystery. So they're at the exhibition. Nancy's worried about how to get a hold of the police if they need to. Yeah. Luckily, Carson denotes several little black boxes on the wall that connect <laughs> to the police booth on the balcony. Pretty smart, dad. How did you figure that out? Well, naturally, before the exhibition, I called in and asked for the best way to reach the police while I was here. Because <laughs> that's the and life I need. that was normal. <laughs> that's going anywhere with Nancy True. Yeah. Speaking 
speaking of Nancy Drew, apparently there's been a late entry. Ooh, late entry, Nancy Drew to the skating competition. Yeah, uh, apparently Mrs. Channing is being Nancy again for what I would uh, call no friggin reason no no good reason. doesn't make a lot of sense no. but she signs up to skate well, as she nancy. has a license so now she's got a fake license basically. yeah so like she might as well but she doesn't give her partner's name so like mm-hmm. how much is our names important i'm confused either way nancy is flushed with anger she runs backstage showing her license and she runs into chuck who's in a black and red pirate suit yeah nancy That's are you looking for, for you. me no chuck it would take me some time to explain why I'm here. So you entered the exhibition? I wish you'd told me. No, Chuck. It would take me too much time to explain. It's a mistake. I'll explain later, Chuck. She has to tell him like five times that she's not yeah, explaining yeah. it right now. Later, she's like, not yet. Not in this crowd. Too much has been overheard already. Because apparently, the fake Nancy Drew skedaddled when Chuck started bragging to everyone about how he knew Nancy Drew. Mr. Drew, in his seat still, is becoming increasingly anxious about Nancy. He even considered going to search for her. No, he told himself, she works fast, and I trust her to act intelligently. She never gets kidnapped or anything. No, no. Well, it all works out because Nancy ends up skating with Chuck Wilson. (laughs) She does skate. (laughs) Yeah, but it's only to try to get Mrs. Channing's friends to try to leave. And then the police will get them. (gasps) Explain to me how that makes sense. It doesn't. Okay. She tells Chuck, I'm no expert, so don't try anything tricky. I'll leave the fancy steps to you. And while you're in the spotlight, I'll have a chance to do some detective work. Yeah. From the ice. And her plan literally is, I think that (laughs) Mitzi will have friends in the audience who know she's going by Nancy Drew. And when I come out and I'm not Mitzi, they'll be so shocked and surprised that they'll either leave... In which case, I told the police to arrest anyone who doesn't stay and watch me. Which, wow, attention whore. Or B, <laughs> I'll just notice it on their faces. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shrek says, to do what? Well, all right. I will not explain it right now. Okay, after they dance, she says, come on, Chuck, let's get off the ice quickly. I think the mystery is about to be solved. She literally saw the guy leaving. She's so wrong. Even though she knows it's Mr. Channing, this man has a legitimate license that says he is Jacques Fremont. And, like, she's like, no, it's Mr. Channing, I can tell, because he fits the description. Muscular build. And he's like, no, I'm a respectable citizen of Canada. I'm a respectable citizen of Canada. I'm afraid if you have no more proof than this, Miss Drew, we'll have to let the man go. Nancy was taken aback. She was so sure of her accusation. That's all it takes, really. Canada's legal system is weird. Yeah. What's the benefit of a doubt they give people? Since the police won't keep him, she gets her dad to chase after him. Again, not really explaining, just telling people what to do. Yeah. Chuck is hungry as a bear and invites Nancy out to dinner. But Nancy says, no, I want to be at the hotel when dad gets back. Let's just go to the coffee bar there. Mm-hmm. Once they're in the car, Chuck glances curiously at Nancy. Uh, you've shown me there are a number of things you don't care to divulge, Nancy. Nancy says, well, I can tell you now and catches him up about everything. I tried to have the police arrest her husband, but the man was too clever and they had to release him. Dad went to tell him though. To be honest, I was afraid your secrecy might have had something to do with my case, Nancy. Oh, right, your case. Remember how I'm a client too? Oh yeah, I forgot. I thought you were just the boyfriend of the book. Oh, I'm sorry, Chuck. Didn't dad get in touch? Yeah, didn't dad do his job at all? No, I wasn't at home. Can you tell me what he wanted? Well, I suppose 
as I can. It's good news. Your old friend John Horn has been found. What? Oh boy, that's great. And I love how it specifies that he like almost drives them into a big old snow pile. Yep. Because he's so excited. Yep, he's swerving around on the road with Lee. So Carson lost sight of Mr. Channing right away. But then... <laughs> I did a terrible job. He called the taxi place. The taxi said, oh yeah, he's at the New Lasser Hotel. And wouldn't you know it, the manager of the New Lasser Hotel is an old frat brother of Carson's. <gasps> so... Wow. those They go on to do so many amazing things. Be lawyers, manage hotels. So he determines that Jacques Fremont, Miss Drew, and Miss Drew's brother just checked out of the hotel. Right. But Mitzi was expecting an important call, so she entrusted a message to the clerk. It said, Foxes after stock, transferring to camp. Carson prophesied that Nancy would figure out what all this meant. Mr. Drew then confessed to being very sleepy and went to bed, but Nancy remained wide awake for hours. Yeah, she's manic as hell right now. Yeah. <laughs> when he wakes up, he sees his daughter already awake. Good morning, Dad, you old fox, she says. <laughs> You greet your dad every morning. <laughs> I believe when she wrote that message, she meant us, Dad. You and I are the wily foxes. Nancy confided a daring plan. Well, says Carson, that plan you just told me is daring. <laughs> good luck. I won't speak too specifically on it, but good luck with what it is. And be careful. So basically, Nancy goes to receive the call that was expected in the morning. The clerk is like, I thought I was supposed to give them this message. And she's like, no, I'm Nancy Drew. Here's my ID. Thank you, DMV. <laughs> so she takes the call. There is a password. The man says, Lake. And she goes, Dunstan. Because it makes sense. Right. And that works. So eventually we find out mm -hmm. that Lake Dunstan is not a place. Yeah. It's one of the guy's names. Why is that their password, though? It's a horrible password. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, if I call you and I'm just like, Carl. And you're like, Hauser. Yep. Oh, good job. Yep. Anyway, okay. So, guys, you don't know yet that that's what Lake Dunstan is, but terrible password. So, she's impersonating her impersonator. Mm -hmm. She's pretending to be pretending to be Nancy Drew. Yep. On the phone is a man named Sidney, who wants more certificates sent to Winchester P.O. for Mrs. Bellhouse. Then he'll beat it to Dunstan after the sale confusing because that's a person mm -hmm. you don't know that so she finds out basically where these stocks are being mailed to mm -hmm. and that they're fake this is the biggest time when it's like they're printing them themselves yeah. gotcha gotcha now carson has already been called home did you think carson was going to be here he's not he's already told chuck that they're leaving right away so she has to talk to dad on the plane it's that part of the story's over yep goodbye nancy has this other plan she's like we're gonna we are going to make copies of the stock certificate and send it to winchester po and then we're gonna go and see who picks it up yeah clever clev but to do that we have to make copies now first of all send blank paper who cares mm -hmm. right yeah you just need to see who picks it up right they don't need it doesn't need to be real but carson's like oh i know a guy who can print it up in a flash but i love this so much it's illegal to print a fake stock even for a worthy purpose yep i first of all i don't know if that's true but the best part is he says let me call the police mm -hmm. and get permission <laughs> to make copies of this stock certificate who has that authority that he knows who? He's a lawyer, Carl. How far up the chain he knows of command? All the way. Like, do you have to get a hold of the president? <laughs> who, 
Who gives you permission to break a law for a worthy purpose? Nancy is worried about her plan because she doesn't know how Mitzi usually addresses envelopes. Right. Which Carson says it doesn't matter. No, what's important is what's inside the envelope. That's what will give it away or not. And she can't find a Mrs. Bellhouse. Hannah suggests she asks Dr. Britt, since Mrs. Bellhouse is old. We assume. We find out John Horn has gone ice fishing and won't be available for a while. Obviously. But he also agrees that Chuck Wilson is a right handsome fellow. (laughs) Best no longer reprimands Nancy but instead sighs and says, Nancy has all the luck. Mrs. Bellhouse is at a Restview nursing home. Best George and Nancy visit her. She says, Sydney Boyd is the husband of my cousin Elsie. And she confides that she's about to buy stock from him. So naturally, they call the police and spy on her while she buys fake stock. This all goes off without a hitch. She says to him, Say, how come my cousin never introduced me to you? Uh-huh. He's like, I don't know, lady. Give me give me the money. You probably just forgot. You probably forgot. Like the ultimate she... gaslight. Uh-huh. And that's like our wink and nod that he's not her cousin's husband. Yeah. But like it never comes up. Afterwards, he's like, wasn't that easy? He's so condescending to her. Yeah. And of course, they're all mad. They ch- chase him down the staircase, but best trips them all up like a loser. <laughs> never mind, says George. But you sure were clumsy, she chided. Yeah. So they split up to find Boyd and of course Boyd is hiding in a clump of saplings not a great hiding place so Nancy finds him so the police finally catch Slippery Sydney as the chapter calls him is that his street name or is that just what the book says do you think I think that's just what the book says Slippery Sid Nancy says to him I'm Nancy Drew and he says I never heard of you haven't you <laughs> they decide they'll sneak the money back to Mrs. Bellhouse so she never has to know she bought fake stock which, I hope she's not doing her own finances, because how confusing. Tricky Boyd says, If there's anything phony about the Forest Fur Company, that's not my fault. I'm merely a broker, and I find this news quite shocking. Wait, Tricky Boyd? Yeah. Not Slippery Sydney. <laughs> same guy i made that one up i thought i was being clever but the police have some evidence because they take something from his pocket it's a note it says dear sid tell the boss to come across with some pay or there won't be any more stock printed ben it's important to never carry evidence in your pocket of a crime you could easily deny nancy has never heard of ben nobody's heard of ben ben is caught on like the last page of the book and that's the only other time we hear of ben it's another case of like a big criminal syndicate yeah that has so much more going on than we have any idea about she's in there talking to the police for quite some time hypers says george you were in there so long we thought we might have to bail you out (laughs) she has had a lot of trouble with the cops this book george suggests that the case is pretty well pretty well cracked and that they should all go on a vacation nancy says yeah how about we go to the adirondacks i bet my aunt eloise wants to go up to her summer home in the middle of the winter yeah that would be nice we could see dunston lake (laughs) Bess says why we'd freeze up there but nancy says oh i've got it all figured out the boys are between semesters right now checks out that's how emerson works in the middle of the winter break so like usually that would happen over christmas right yeah but not this time okay we can invite the boys and right away the girls are on board making enthusiastic plans 
Suddenly, Bess exclaimed, I'll bet there's something behind this idea of yours. Does it have to do with the fur mystery, Nancy? If mysteries were heroin, she would just constantly be shooting up. Like, yes. Yeah. It is a mystery. And you want to add detectives Ned Nickerson, Dave Evans, and Bert Edelson to your investigation squad? Are you an idiot? Exactly. Bess is worried. It wouldn't be safe up there without some men. What if they don't want to come? The Adirondacks are full of bears who sleep all winter, George hooted. I don't even know how to deal with the fact that they're both wrong. Yeah. (laughs) If there are bears, it's not too scary. And also... They don't actually sleep all winter. And also, like, the bears aren't the dangerous thing. It's just, yeah, it's just they, the cold like, and snow. There's lots of fun ways they're both wrong. Yeah. Uh, Eloise is glad that her clue is leading to an interesting vacation. She probably made it up, honestly. My hunch may be wrong, but we'll have fun anyway, says Nancy. Poor Aunt Eloise is slowly shifting her whole personality to just wanting to help Nancy. The boys are enthusiastic. Bert is really happy because he's getting to drive the family station wagon again. Which, by the way, didn't I thought it was Ned's station wagon? This this one's Bert's family station. Okay, just a few station wagons in River Heights, yeah. I assume. Nancy says they'd better have two cars, though. She'll take hers. Bess pouts because the boys have a short break of only a few days between semesters, and that's not much time to solve a mystery and have some fun too. Hannah has a more pragmatic worry on her mind. Well, Hannah doesn't realize we've already had a car accident this book. Yeah. So we'll probably be fine. But, you know, it's icy roads, blizzard conditions. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit frightening. And we don't know the ways of the woods in the wintertime. Well, luckily, she and Carson have an idea. How about John Horn comes along? How about we take all these teens and add an old trapper to the mix? Yep. Yep. He's pretty excited about the idea, too. Yeah, winter. Yep. Keep my daughter from making any ski jumps after those thieves, will ya? Says Carson. (laughs) Pats him on the back. Bunch of minks go running out. John Horn says, you know, he's like, well, you know, we get up there. I'll track the thieves. Well, Nancy's, quote, gallivanting with the young folks. (laughs) I don't get in no car, though for that long I don't know I have no engines get in the old train take a train up <laughs> then you'll the, snowshoe in yeah snowshoe in I stay in the cold truck car and then use snowshoes the rest of the way John patted his hunting rifle and announced that he intended to snare him some varmints <laughs> I don't know if he meant literal varmints or the bad guys but either way I think he's gonna eat them uh, so it's slow <laughs> It's slow going up this icy mountain. Bert's car slides straight into a ditch. We knew it. Nancy's worried because she's got to pick up her aunt and get groceries. So she's like, hey, you guys stay with the car in the cold. No, they bring it to like an auto repair shop. I thought they had to wait by the car. Oh, that's good. Auto repair shops have coffee and donuts sometimes. Yeah. So they're waiting at the auto repair shop mm-hmm. while Nancy goes to get the aunt. And order the groceries. Order the groceries. We'll Bert... pick up the aunt, you pick up the groceries. Exactly. Now, they don't see John Horn get off the train. Uh-oh. So I assume he just rode the front and already jumped off or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he I don't think he buys a ticket when he rides the rails. <laughs> when they get to the cabin, before everyone else gets there, Ned already shovels. That's his first thing. So this is turning out pretty nice. No John Horn. Yes, shoveling. When everyone gets there, the boys start the fire. And Nancy's like, well, let's us get the groceries. Let's the ladies work. Let's get the groceries out. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's something fun. They did not pick up the groceries. Nope. No food for us, I guess. 
I guess Bert didn't tell them. I don't know what the communication issue is here, but I guess Bert didn't tell them to get the groceries and Nancy only told Bert about it. Yeah. But either way, they are now in a cabin in a blizzard with no food. Yep. Luckily, Eloise does have canned beans. Bess's reaction surprises me. Beans? Oh, welcome word, cried Bess, rolling her eyes ecstatically. Beans? Heart and joy. (laughs) I'm ravenous enough to eat tat. Can of baked beans, my heart and love. George says she will have to earn her beans by mopping the floor. Yeah, I mean, messed up. Like, (laughs) (laughs) they're in a cabin without food. They find one can of beans and George is like, yeah, when you've done your chores, cinder bess. In the morning, John Horn shows up. He camped out the night before in, in the blizzard. Yep. He actually came in the day before on the train and he's amused about this whole grocery dilemma. He brought them all rabbits to eat. Or oh, what, what do you know a grocery for? You live off the land and find a whole warren. The next string of rabbits. The next morning they try unsuccessfully to ice fish. Yeah, for and breakfast. Luckily John Horn shows up with their groceries. Oh, look what I hunted down. Oh, what the groceries. Nancy and Ned go off to uh explore the nearby hotel. Ask them if they know anything about mean cranches. Mm-hmm. Explore Lake. investigate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nancy, on a whim, signs them all up for a charity contest, skiing party, and trappers dinner. Ned's like, okay, that's a lot of money. And Nancy's like, I'll pay you back. Ned's <clears> like, yeah, but not everybody maybe not everybody wants to do this. It's fine, Ned. <laughs> Who shows up but Chuck, who now works at this hotel by coincidence? Chuck Wilson of skiing and skating fame? Nancy is excited to tell him that John Horn is very nearby. And uh, Ned looks none too pleased about this. He lost his glum look, however, when Chuck gave them everything they needed to have a great time on the slopes. Yeah, you know, it's hard for Ned that there are other men in Nancy's life. But the nice thing is they buy him things. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, I'll see you again soon won't I? Chuck pleaded. With a teasing glance at Ned, she tells them not only are they all coming over tomorrow, but he could have lunch with Ned and her. What is this teasing look at Ned about? I guess it all works out. (laughs) Nancy doesn't know what she wants, but she knows she wants something. Ned sees a storm coming, but Nancy wants to take the long way home to check out a nearby mink ranch. Charlie Wells, who is very similar in name to Charles Wilson, and that very much confused me, owns a ranch up on the hill behind the hotel. He just had a bunch of minks stolen from him. Uh, Ned is impressed with Charlie Wells' deer head and would like to shoot one and hang the head in his frat house. Wells promises him he can have it if Nancy nabs the fur thief. Can you just imagine how much you would hate the weird frat brother who came back with a big (laughs) dusty deer head to put in your cool dorm room where you're trying to have girls over and stuff? Don't, Ned, don't do that. This isn't a lodge. It's time for another mink lesson, which Ned cuts off by saying, very interesting, now we better leave. We want to get home ahead of the storm. I do like thinking about a mink ranch and all those little ferrets just running, because they're like yeah. ferret things, right? Mm-hmm. Just running the fields, big herds of them. <laughs> you know, you're on a pony chasing them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now Ned says we really do have to hurry. The storm's going to hit. Nancy thinks, however, that she found a clue. A she clue. bends over to pick something up. From the snow. But Ned pushes her just in time for her to not get caught in a fox trap. 
Oh, yeah. She tries to pick up a trap that is for animals that would just, like, cut her arm off, right? Like... Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't cut her arm off, but she would have to gnaw it off to get out. She's a fox, all right. (laughs) So Ned now says, hurry, but Nancy wants to look for more clues. Okay, says Ned. They follow white wool on different evergreens, I guess. And she's like, well, if someone was sneaking up to steal minks, they would have to wear white. Therefore. (laughs) She says, okay, I guess we can go back now. It really is starting to snow, but we'll just follow our footprints. No, they've blown away. So they get- It's fine. We left some breadcrumbs. Oh no, they're gone too. (laughs) Follow our footprints. Nancy and Ned get lost in a storm. They find wood, build a fire, eat Nancy's pocket candy bars, use a flashlight to SOS as they walk down the hill, which at this point they don't even think is the right direction. (laughs) You know, this is probably the most danger I've felt for Nancy Uh, Drew. uh Uh-huh. I mean, at least villains are capable of empathy. A snowstorm is not. Yeah, 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 yeah. John Horn sees the flashlight SOS and rescues them. He's heard that they didn't take him as a guide to begin with. I guess the meteor was pretty dangerous too, but still. Nancy thanks him for saving her life by being suspicious of him for having so many minks. What if he's the thief? Oh well, he's off to visit Chuck she's also in the almost, snowstorm. She's also almost drowned in a lake. Nature is very dangerous. Sorry, go on. Nancy suspects him, but Ned says, no, I don't think he did it. I think he would have hidden them if he stole them. I'd love to see her deal with a volcano, I think. is okay, So they make it home safely, thanks to... And by the way... We never get any resolution on where he got all those mink. Sort of like a crowd-funded gift for Nancy. Like they were just all turning in their minks to John Hunt. Like the end of like, it's a wonderful life or something. Yeah. Where am I going to get enough mink to to solve this mystery? (laughs) (laughs) Aunt Eloise wakes Nancy the next morning with a telegram. Nancy, phone me from Longview Inn. Love, father. But Nancy can tell right away that it's a fake father. Because he always signs his name Dad. He does. Whenever we've seen a note, it's been Dad. Also, why would he specify the hotel instead of just the village? Oh, right. They wanted to kidnap her, right? Yeah. That's got to be the thing. Uh, everyone's excited to get going now that we figured out that that's a fake telegram. Mm-hmm. We're not going to ignore it. Nancy has to get her own breakfast because everyone ate already. They call her a sleepyhead. Sleepy yep. Which is a mean thing to call someone who like almost died last night. Going to the same hotel anyways by coincidence yeah like i guess i could call you from there but (laughs) i won't i won't (laughs) uh they find tracks all outside the cabin and specifically like up to the windows Mm -hmm. with what i have to assume are like face prints in the in the like fog of the windows because someone was listening in and looking in and that's creepy safety conscious bass finds those she's the one who knows uh which tracks are theirs and which ones are snoopers aunt eloise feels responsible for her niece's safety it weighed heavily on her. Nancy must be protected. It might only be a matter of time before the mysterious eavesdropper would return, not to observe, but to strike. I feel like there's, they do everything they can to make sure we know Nancy's in danger. Right, right. Even if it takes Aunt Eloise having some long, paranoid Mm -hmm. inner monologue. They're just constantly telling us she's in danger. Right. For, like, the rest of the book. They could be anywhere. John Horn shows up and says the snooper used an old this is the term he uses an old engine method Mm -hmm. uh, which is a misspelling of Indian which is a misnaming of Native Americans yeah Uh, he might be confused because 
they also use this method in 101 Dalmatians, so maybe that's where he thinks he saw it. But uh, it's the method of walking away backwards and using a branch to sweep away your snow steps. Yep. Snow footprints. Snow prints. Well, Nancy says, okay, well, we, we gotta split into groups to take care of this. John Horn come with Ned and I into the woods. The footprints end up not being the eavesdroppers, but leading to, like, a cabin with a new padlock on it. Mm. Yeah. And John's like, this is a messed up cabin. Because if you've got a cabin, you leave it open for hunters to use. Which could be true, or could be his opinion as a homeless person. I don't know. So, uh, having reached that dead end, Ned and Nancy head to the hotel for the charity ball. And John Horn says, I'm going to do some more tracking. He's not going to give up. Aunt Eloise takes Nancy aside and says, uh, yeah, I called your dad in the village, not at the hotel, and the telegram was fake. <gasps> yep. Yep, so we still know that she's in danger. Nancy tries to play it off. Oh, there's not much danger with so many friends around. But there was danger with so many friends around. But Nancy is worried. More worried than she pretends. They may try to trap me. That's what trappers do. Chuck does an exhibition ski jump. Right. And Bert says, I'd give up college if I thought I could learn to do that. That's, Bert's so cool. Because yeah. yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Nancy and Eloise agree for Nancy's safety, she can't enter any of the contests. Mm-hmm. Ned is a little disappointed. He says, the important thing though is to keep you safe. Is it okay if I find another partner to enter the next event? So disappointed it didn't end up being Chuck. It was a pretty girl. Could have been Chuck, you know? And specifically they did the two-legged race, Carl. I know. But Nancy's like has no jealousy about it. No, she's just like, oh, okay, I gotta go find more mystery to solve. She might be Polly. Well, clearly she is. John Horn shows up and's like, Nancy, follow me. Mm-hmm. He's spotted Mitzi, the woman who I assume he knows because she sold him the fake stocks. Yeah, that's who. Nearby on a pond skating like she was the Snoopy kids. <laughs> they show up and Mitzi immediately sees them. They're, I guess they're not wearing white. Mm-hmm. And she runs off on her ice skates. Yeah. John's like, she's gonna break her ankle. Mm-hmm. But she's running on skates. He runs her down and catches her. Nancy's not as fast because she tries to take a shortcut across the ice and just falls down several times. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Mitzi says, why if it isn't little Miss Detective herself? <laughs> lawyer detective she sneers at nancy and is wearing the earrings that were stolen from both bunny and mrs Pettigrew. packer packer <laughs> nancy runs off leaving john to hold this tiny woman to get troopers which is the snow version of police uh but when they get back <laughs> john horn is unconscious with a welt behind his ear and the footprints of two large men leading away one of the footprints was jesus <laughs> Yes. Well, good news is everyone loves the Trapper's Dinner. The charity, mwah, delicious. More than just venison and wild rice, I assume. Chuck is the only one who almost misses it because he's so worried about John Horn, who is under doctor's orders for bed rest upstairs. <laughs> like, meanwhile, like, John's fighting off doctors, <laughs> trying to heal. Yeah. Rub some snow on it. Yep. Uh, the management have provided a hillbilly orchestra, which played old-time ballada and lively polkas. Ballads. I was wondering. <laughs> Love you so oh my much. God. Thought I remembered ballads, but I didn't want to be wrong. Is that a banjo and a washboard? Yep. 
<laughs> John Horn is complaining. The doc must think I'm a softy when they go check on him because he doesn't want to be docked at all. Yeah, because the doctor has said he has to stay till the morning. <laughs> yep. Never slept inside. Yep. But from his window, Nancy sees a light at the top of the ski jump. No one's supposed to be jumping that ski jump at night. So they all get dressed in their ski suits and go out just in time to see a man make a risky jump in the dark. I imagine it's like watching a golf ball, like you lose him in the dark and you're uh, like, I don't, he might not have survived. I yep, don't know. Yep. <laughs> uh, they can't find him later. Chuck says, uh, that man could have been arrested just for taking that jump. It's against all regulations. <laughs> Ned, I, maybe he's getting along with Chuck because he decides probably just some crackpot who wanted to prove how brave he is. I like the idea of the two of them kind of starting to have camaraderie. Like, yeah, those idiots. Yep, yep. Nancy says to herself, that man wasn't just a phantom. He was flesh and blood. A shame because phantom of the ski jump would have been so much better. <laughs> she sees a man in a white sweater stuffing something into a snowman. It's like a statue of a snowman, I, I guess. That's my understanding. Maybe a snow statue. I don't a know. A really large one. But it's got like a door on it. Um, yeah. Long story short, it's not just carrots. He's stuffing a bag of things. Yep. And Nancy opens her mouth to call Chuck and Ned, but a rough hand was clapped over her face. Quiet, a harsh voice commanded, and don't try to run away or you'll get hurt. She's like, I know the deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's gagged. She's tied. She's bound. She's carried into the woods. And this is always the lament. If only Ned or Chuck had seen me. If only my dad had been here. Whatever. Here I am with friends so close by and I can't even call for aid. Big reveal happens now. One of them calls the other one Jacques Fremont. And Jacques Fremont calls the other one <gasps> Dunstan Lake. He was a, a man. Is the same true for Lake Superior? <laughs> <laughs> so Lake and Fremont plan to drop Nancy in the cabin from earlier with the lock. Nobody will come back till summer. She'll be good and dead. What a relief to have her out of the way. I love that even though there's, in this case, no reason for him to be talking and revealing any of the plot. Yeah. She's not, she's not. He still a tiny bit does. Yeah, she's not goading him or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's clever, but too clever for her own good. Now Miss Nancy Drew is going to pay for her smartness. Suppose we see if this girl detective can solve the mystery of the locked cabin with both her hands and feet tied. <laughs> it's a harsh laugh. I want to read the mystery of the locked cabin with both her hands and feet tied. <laughs> the cabin is bitterly cold, even worse than the outdoors. I mean, that makes sense. Kind of, right? I don't know. I mean, perception is reality. Shaded. Well, yeah. They lay her on a cot, and Dudston Lake, a squarish man with a bulldog face. And one of the worst faces we've seen so far. Beady eyes. Yeah, they saved the cartoon one for last. He makes a mocking bow. Goodbye, Miss Drew. He smirked. Happy sleuthing. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, they're all from French Canada, in my head. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Nancy wondered desperately how long she could survive. She knew her only hope lay in exercise. You know, the doctor said the same thing to me. I feel like just die. He like, said, how long can point, you survive? Your only hope lies in exercise. The rest of my life is going to be exercising here in this cold cabin. Yeah. If it's, yeah. To, what, what would I rather do for the rest of my life? Exercise or lay on a cot? I'll lay on a cot. 
Yeah. <laughs> she... she rolls on the floor, dislodging the gag, and like squirms around in exercise. She's tied up. She can't do planks, so. She yells until her voice gives the howl. It's true. Finally, she becomes drowsy as her body succumbs to the below freezing temperature. Jumping jacks can't do everything forever. So now we get one of those classic going back and seeing what Chuck and Ned did this whole time. Meanwhile, with the boyfriends. Chuck, not knowing Nancy, says, oh, she must have just gone back to the hotel. And Ned says, you don't know Nancy. (laughs) She wouldn't give up. But he goes back to the hotel anyways. They spot the troopers who are looking for the thieves. And Ned tells them Nancy's missing. So now the troopers are helping look for her. They all arrange flashlight signals. They all split up to go different ways. They still don't find her. And now they're super cold themselves. Not doing so well. Best suggests they ask. Exercise? Best suggests that they ask John Horn. Best is really smart in this. Get him involved. Yeah, he's a tracker. John Horn right away is like, I bet they took her to that cabin. And Ned is like, oh, of course they did. I'm so dumb. He blames himself for all of this. Fair enough. Dave says, Ned, Bert and I are fresher and we can strike out faster. George and Bess can follow us with a thermos bottle of hot coffee and a blanket. But you and Chuck are in no shape to go. Go snuggle up and and take a nap together. What do you mean? Ned asked. Maybe I can't go as fast as you, but what if there's trouble? I want to be there to help. So do I, Chuck said firmly. Nancy's friends and Aunt Louise, everybody hurries into the night to this cabin, determined to make a rescue. Ned says, we'll get inside if I have to tear this shack apart. Just imagine like a trail of dead teens between this hotel and this cabin. Yeah. A trail of frozen teens. (laughs) Not ready for the hike. They manage to tear a board off the window. Mm Mm-hmm. Climb inside. I'm so glad you found me, says Nancy. I'm so terribly sleepy. There's like a dash between every syllable. Mm-hmm. Tears streamed down Bess's cheeks. You're you're all right, aren't you? She sobbed. Of course she is, George told her cousin. She's been doing low weight, high reps. <laughs> At this point, Eloise takes charge. And uh, no more of that nonsense. Pour that coffee on her face. Bert and Dave are very, very proud of the chair they create with by interlocking their fingers <clears throat> to carry Nancy back on. Just like in Boy Scouts. They tell Nancy to shut up and get better, but she says, Lake is a man, a short, ugly fellow with beady eyes. And then she she does get better. She spends the night at the hotel with Bess. The doctor says she'll be okay in the morning. Would have been great last words, though. Lake is a man. <laughs> Ooh, mystery. Lucky you knew enough to keep exercising or you might have frozen to death, says the doctor. In the morning, it's like nothing happened. She's fine. Oh, yeah. She's all mended, she says. Whole night's sleep. Bess tells her that the Channings and Lake, Dunstan Lake, have been captured. You've rounded up the whole gang just as you hoped to do, says George. Nancy is quick to credit everyone. Again, it all happens when she's like not here. She falls asleep, the cops do it. Only problem is that these bad guys won't own up to anything they did. Gasp. Hypers. The way that Channing woman plays innocent makes me furious. Well, Wells Ranch was robbed again last night. And Nancy at this point says, that experience I had must have frozen my brains. Why, I've forgotten the most important evidence of all. Friendship. Nancy tells the police, hey, Mitzi's wearing earrings that can be identified by Mrs. Packer, and she can be identified in Masonville as a shoplifter. Also, there the, it is. the police say, get over here, we need your help questioning these guys. They haven't told the gang that Nancy's still alive. <gasps> Why would they? 
So Ned is deputized and he goes and retrieves the bag from the snowman for Nancy. Sure. It has furs from the Welps Ranch and a note, very conveniently, that will prove everything. Always put your evidence with your evidence. Shock. Made a neat deal on the earrings. Send Bunny Reynolds a dividend to keep her from hollering when she finds out. Sid. So they're just paying dividends to people who, like, might turn up the heat on them. Nancy shows up to help the police do their job. To Nancy's surprise, it was Mitzi who broke down first. Probably because her, like, nerves are frayed from being a child figure skater. Yeah. It'll go easier with us, says Mitzi. But someday, I'll get even with you, Nancy Drew, for what you've done. Yeah, Mitzi not only confesses, she convinces the others to confess too. Yeah, I I guess she thinks she's going to be a recurring villain. I don't think she gets it. I don't think she comes back. Ned says this mystery is exciting, but gosh, I'll be glad to just sit and talk with you a while, Nancy. Aww. After all, in two days, the old grind at Emerson begins again. <laughs> Nancy... Don't you dare get involved with another mystery before the Winter Carnival at Emerson. (laughs) I promise, the young detective replied laughingly, but secretly hoped that another mystery would turn up in time for her to skip the event. (laughs) Or at least, I think he says very, very soon. Uh It did indeed! And came to be known, came to be known, she named it this... As the clue of the velvet mask. I love that they say it came to be known. I think that's the first time they've used that. Yeah, they because once again, people will be talking about it. Well, yeah. Nancy will be talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, also is like an afterthought, uh, Smith and Ben, who are also members of the crime syndicate, mm-hmm. who we don't know well. No. Uh, they've been arrested. George says, serves them right. Yep. <laughs> Which is, I think, a good summary of what you want from a justice system. Yep. Yep. You want things to happen that serve people right. Yes. <laughs> Chuck is going to regain most of his inheritance thanks to John Horn's testimony. His nasty uncle put it in his own account, but hadn't spent it all. So Chuck throws them all a party at the inn and calls Nancy one of the world's cleverest detectives. Causing her to blush. John Horn, of course, goes on to catch and kill the legendary Sasquatch. (laughs) Being the first man to eat an entire ape man. Mrs. Packer has said that Chuck can give Nancy the diamond brooch for her as a thank you for solving my earrings case. But, 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 I don't deserve this, says Nancy. Indeed you do. You deserve it and more, says Chuck. Mr. Wells, John Horn, and Chuck pulled together to get her several glossy mink pelts, enough to make a lovely stole. Could you imagine she gets to dress up like John Horn now? She's <laughs> covered in mink. Nancy's eyes were moist with emotion, but she manages to thank everyone before Ned stills the show. There was a howl of laughter. Then Ned came walking forward with a deer head held in front of his face. (laughs) For our fraternity house, girls, the old deer invites you to come to Emerson and help help hang him over the fireplace. And women never stepped foot in that fraternity again. (laughs) The end. That's certainly a chilling mystery that we had today. And I look forward to our next one, Chilling. Oh my gosh. Until then, I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. And we say to all you guys out there, Go Go Wildcats! Wildcats! I hope we learn about Velvet in the next one.
might need to have a special episode about this video game sometime. I have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh I don't know put them on our Patreon. Remember to support us at our Patreon. <laughs> you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our Patreon River Heights Radio. We'd really appreciate it. Instagram at River Heights Radio, Twitter at River Heights FM, River Heights Radio on Facebook, and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, Apple Podcast or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours in. <laughs>